The first thought I had when I started to change my diet was, oh my gosh, what if I can never eat chocolate again? So I immediately set about creating things for myself that were made with you know, the ingredients that would be great for me. And I was working in the corporate world in Sydney at the time. But when I realized that I was rushing home from my job to create new things in my kitchen that I'd take back to work and run around sharing with all my colleagues and getting feedback on, I realized where my passion lay. I'm Teresa Hudson, coordinator at the Community Information Centre in Townsville, and today I'm with Shelley Granger, owner of Nourishing Bites. She's a quiet little powerhouse who is passionate about the power of community and holistic health. Shelley's advocacy of these subjects is based in the support she's gathered from the North Queensland community and the miraculous conception of her son, who now motivates and inspires her to go further within her business and life. This episode of Brave was produced across the lands of the Woolgarugaba and Bindal people. The Townsville Community Information Centre acknowledges and pays respects to the traditional custodians of this country. I'm joined by Shelley Granger today from Nourishing Bites. So Shelley, thank you for joining me. Thanks very much for having me today, Teresa. So I just mentioned you have a little business called Nourishing Bites. Tell me about that. We started our business in 2013 as a market stall selling wholesome treats that we believe taste delicious but are also good for you too. When you say good for you, what does that mean? Good for you in the sense that rather than being full of nasty refined sugar and lots of additives, preservatives and other sneaky artificial ingredients, our treats are made from wholesome 100% natural ingredients. We don't use any gluten or dairy in our treats and also we limit the use of sugar and when we do use sugar to add some sweetness to our treats, we only use unrefined sugar so that people are getting the sweetness but also the nutritional benefit associated with that sweetener as well. So tell me what made you get into this kind of lifestyle or down the track of this type of business? Well, it uh, it has been a very personal journey for our family. My husband and I, not long after we met, really wanted to start a family together. And it was a difficult journey because I have a hormonal disorder called polycystic ovary syndrome. Unfortunately, it's something that affects many women today and has a huge impact on fertility. My journey um, towards resolving my fertility issues began as a teenager, but initially just for my own personal reasons, and then obviously became about conceiving a child. I started my journey with um, visiting medical professionals. Did you know you had polycystic ovarian syndrome before you got to the part in your life about wanting children? I, uh, yes, when I was 16, I was diagnosed with it. I started menstruating with highly um, irregular cycles. Um, and had lots of other symptoms, um, you know, that were really difficult for me as a young woman. And that's when my mum took me to a specialist and that was diagnosed. And Can you share what some of those symptoms might be for those who go, oh, that sounds like me? Well, the irregular period was definitely a sign. I would have one and then there'd be nothing for se- several months. And For me, a symptom of being late with my period would be developing insomnia. And so then I'd go through really long periods of insomnia. And that made it really hard to cope with life in general, not sleeping at all for six weeks. 
and then it would swing the other way. So it was like all the periods would come at once because I'd go from having nothing for several months to then bleeding really heavily for six weeks. And as a young teenager, that was really hard to deal with because they'd be really heavy, heavy periods and there'd be accidents and there'd be a lot of pain, a lot of clotting. And, you know, that was not only uncomfortable, but quite embarrassing as well. And associated with all of that, I would swing between being really high on energy and then completely crashing and um, being sensitive as a result and really emotional and feeling the weight of the world upon my shoulders. And, and Which having a lot of people could put down to, oh, that's just a teenager phase. Yeah, but I guess but it was not... the combination of symptoms yeah. that led my mum and my family to think there's something more going on here. And then... You know, other things appeared like in the lead up to menstruation, um, you know, collecting extra weight around my belly and then getting unwanted um, facial hair growth, which no teenage girl wants. No, definitely not. So my mum took me to a medical specialist who was able to pretty quickly diagnose me with PCOS and put me on the pill. Unfortunately for me, that amplified everything and made it all a lot worse and I had to be taken off it in a couple of weeks. I just I gave up for a while because I was getting towards the end of high school and trying to focus on my studies, but resumed trying to find a way to manage it in uni and went through various hormone therapies and it just kept amplifying my symptoms and didn't help me at all. And in the end, I, I, I just gave up and thought, okay, this is what I've got. This is what I've got to live with and just managed as best I could. Did you know at that stage that also meant um, infertility or fertility troubles were ahead? It was mentioned to me, but to be honest, I was so young and not in that headspace at all that I didn't really process that implication until my husband and I started thinking about family. And I was like, wait a minute, like, how's that going to work for us? Mm. So what was the journey you took yourself on then? So we went back to specialists again and they said, oh, we know how to treat PCOS. Now, don't worry, because this was sort of eight years down the track. We want to put you on metformin, which is the the drug for diabetes type 2. And he said, we've we've seen that it's it's it, it's an insulin resistance condition and it's very similar in its nature to type 2 diabetes. So if we give you this, it's going to resolve everything. And again, I took it for five years, um, trusting that what I was being told was correct and it didn't change anything for me at all. And in fact, I wasn't made aware that there are other risks associated with taking that medication long term and I ended up with a very severe B12 deficiency because it inhibits your ability to uptake B12. And I was really lucky that I picked up on that before I suffered any long-term consequences. Um, The reason why I picked it up is because I started to notice that I was suffering memory loss and that's when I I got myself tested and discovered that and the doctor at the time said, oh yeah, that's associated with metformin, but no one had made me aware of it up front or I would have managed it. And then we went to another... um, obstetrician who said look forget everything else you just need to go on IVF there's no other way and we didn't want to start there we wanted that to be the last step not the first step and I said to him look I've been doing some research like you know I understand now that it's insulin resistance and can't we you know look at my diet can't we look at my lifestyle and and find natural ways to deal with this and he said forget it none of that stuff works just jump on the program and by the way I offer it you know, at $10,000 a pop. So (laughs) 
I'm not sure the you know he was looking after my best interests. But the really good thing about seeing him was it really sparked the fire and passion in us to explore other ways. And that's when we really got focused on looking at the connection between diet and hormones. The first thing I cut out was refined sugar. And although that didn't immediately affect my cycles, it made me feel a whole lot better as a person. So I went from being someone who went through the usual sugar peaks and crashes in the day to being really stable. And that helped me with the symptoms of PCOS because that generally created a lot of instability. And so it really evened out my moods and my energy. And that was great. So then we started looking at the connection between gluten and dairy and, and hormones and understood that gluten and dairy are very inflammatory foods and that they can knock out your hormones as well. And so gradually I cut out gluten and dairy and then also grains for the same reason. And, um, and that was over a couple of years, by the way, because it's quite difficult to make the transition and I didn't want to do it all at once. I wanted to see the effect of taking out each thing and make it sort of easier than trying to change everything all at once. And once we'd implemented all those things, it was incredible. Actually, we I went from someone who had never had a regular cycle, and by this stage I was in my mid-30s, to suddenly being like clockwork. And because it became regular, all the issues associated with heavy bleeding were gone too because it wasn't this sort of boom-bust cycle anymore. It was regular. Plus, I felt like a real woman for the first time. So from there, how long did it take for you to conceive your little boy? Three months, which was a miracle for us. You know, we'd been in this journey for years and years and years. And yeah, it was it was an amazing moment when we realised, actually. It was my husband's 42nd birthday. And... Um, I had woken up early to make him breakfast in bed. And so I kind of got up and I was in a day still. It was only, you know, 5.36 in the morning. And without even really thinking, I pulled out the test stick and did the test, hopped in the shower and kind of got out and then walked over to the to the basin and kind of looked down and and saw the, the marking that said I was pregnant. And I was like, what? <laughs> Quick, this can't be. And um, I was, yeah, I was elated. It's probably you know the happiest it is the happiest moment in my life after I saw that I was pregnant I went running into my husband and said I've got a present for you and he's not really he wasn't at least a birthday person and he said I don't need presents and I said I think you'll want this one and he like sat up and closed his eyes and I passed him the stick and just the look on his face I'll never forget it was pure joy absolutely and the yeah the most special day ever for us and pregnancy was smooth sailing for you or what was that like I was really really lucky because we were already running nourishing bites and um I I was the baker in the kitchen working 14 hour days and I was just so lucky that he was he was amazing in my belly and I was able to work all the way up until his birth that's fantastic so with nourishing bites why were treats such an important part for you? So I've always, always loved chocolate. As long as I can remember, I've never been much for lollies or other things, chips, anything else. It's always been about chocolate for me. And the first thought I had when I started to change my diet was, oh, my gosh, 
what if I can never eat chocolate again? So I immediately set about creating things for myself that were made with, you know, the ingredients that would be great for me rather than harmful for me. And I was working in the corporate world in Sydney at the time. But when I realized that I was rushing home from my job to create new things in my kitchen that I'd take back to work and run around sharing with all my colleagues and getting feedback on so I could do it all again that night, I realized where my passion lay. And that was in reimagining, I guess, wholesome yet still delicious version of childhood favorites. And, and it was a challenge and one that I loved and felt really passionate about. So I realized that I needed to follow this, that this was my purpose. And I'd always wanted to have a business. I'd always wanted to do something that I was really passionate about and, and an area where I could serve my community and have an impact. And when I started doing this, I realized that this was, this was, this was it. This was your calling. Yes. So one of the foods that most children would be familiar growing up with is Nutella. <laughs> yes. And um, so for you, you've got a product called Heavenly Hazel, which is a healthier version of Nutella, I believe. It is. So Nutella wasn't my thing. Ferrero's were, which obviously has the Nutella in it. Like every Christmas I'd get a box and the whole box would be gone by 10 o'clock. I just loved it. And so when I was going through the list of recreating childhood favorites, a chocolate hazelnut spread or fudge that um, would tickle that itch was high on the list for me. I first created it early in the Nourishing Bites journey. And at that stage, you couldn't buy blanched hazelnuts. So we had to skin every hazelnut by hand. And my mum was there too. But after one Christmas season of making this fudge and then rolling it into balls and dipping it in nuts and chocolate so it could be Ferrero, like she was like, we're done. Like here we can't do this anymore. <laughs> and I had to put it on hold for a while. But then about a year later, um, we discovered a source of blanched hazelnuts and it was back on. And we came up with this um, chocolate hazelnut truffle which is like brownie with the fudge in the center. And they were a hit. And one of my customers said to me one day, I just love what's in the center of that so much. I could eat it all day. And that made me think, well, we could do that. Like, why don't we put what's in the center in a jar? And that was when Heavenly Hazel was born. And that was about four years ago. And it was a huge moment for us because up until then, all of our treats had to be refrigerated and that's problematic particularly up here with the heat um, selling them far and wide is really a really hard thing to do we still do but we have to heavily ice them we wrap everything in wool cool and it was sort of difficult to to think about scaling up a business like that whereas when we created heavenly hazel we suddenly had a product that was a jarred product that could be easily transported to anyone and you know that's that's i guess the, the, the key to our, our future now. Mm. So would Heavenly Hazel be one of your biggest products at the moment? It is. And we were really fortunate to be awarded a Deadly Deals grant. And that grant was awarded to us to help us commercialise Heavenly Hazel. So investing in us to do all the right shelf life testing and to think about how to brand 
Heavenly Haze or better, to invest in figuring out how to scale it up and to invest in forming partnerships for distribution. And I'm really excited to share that next week we're going to Cairns to work with the FNQ Food Incubator to test a, a big scaled up run of Heavenly Hazel. We're, we're making 210 kilos. Mm. So when you say it's an incubator, it's a trial run to see if this upscale of production is going to be successful for your business. Yeah, and to continue working with this incubator to produce it at that bigger scale. Mm. So the incubator, they are also a business and they invested in a factory and it was difficult for them to pay for that factory themselves and they thought, well, let's help other businesses who are trying to make that leap up to the next level of scale. And so the FNQ Food Incubator works with lots of businesses like ours so that you can go in there and produce bigger runs without having to make that huge investment in the factory yourself. Yeah, up front because up front. then the, the long-term goal would be that when it's up and running and successful, that gives you time to build your own factory. Absolutely. That's what we ultimately want to do. We want to be producing it here in our own factory, employing Townsville locals. Uh, but, you know, you're looking at a million dollar investment mm. minimum. So you mentioned that the grant that you got was a deadly's Uh, A Deadly Deals grant from Advanced Queensland. So what is that grant specifically designed to do? So it targets Indigenous Australian businesses and the idea is to support those businesses to build a source of sustainable growth um, by investing in an innovative product. And we're really pleased that they determined that Heavenly Hazel is really innovative because it flips the Nutella formula on its head so we are really you know proud that it's much more wholesome and much better for you and we've also gone to the next level with the help of the government of incorporating indigenous ingredients into new flavor combinations and the reason why we've done that is because well a there are some amazing superfoods in Australia that deserve to be showcased and also because they're Indigenous to Australia and by working with Indigenous growers to include these ingredients in our products, we can support sustainable Indigenous agriculture. Mm. And and I, I know the reason why behind your business and you're so passionate about incorporating Indigenous services into your business, but for our listeners, can you tell us why this is so important for you? Absolutely. So... Our business is a family business owned by my husband and I. Um, On paper, my husband and I started it together, although now the boss is definitely Pacey James, our son. Um, My husband is Indigenous Australian. He is from Cape York, um, from the Yadagana clan in Shelbourne Bay, which is near Lockhart River, and also from the Torres Strait. And... He proudly identifies himself as an Indigenous Australian, as does our son. Um, It's really sweet, actually. Um, PJ, our son, has that beautiful caramelly skin and he calls it his magic skin and believes that he can heal the world and unite us as people um, with his skin. And my husband and our son's Indigenous heritage is a big part of their store, their life and our life as a family. I, I met my husband in 2002 when I volunteered to go to Cairns to work with um, 
Noel Pearson and his team up in Cape York to support Indigenous businesses. I thought I was going just for work reasons, but I also met the love of my life when I was there, Dan. He was running one of the businesses where I was going to be working and he was the last stop on my tour for that day. And his office was the Cape York Digital Network, which he rolled out throughout the 16 communities of the Cape to connect people and families through the Cape with each other and and with the rest of the world. When I walked in and, and, and met him, it was just one of those moments in life where you you know you've met the person that you're going to be with for the rest of your life. And luckily he felt the same way. And we've been together ever since. But, you know, in our first few months together, we spent our time figuring out how to commercialise CYDN to support, you know, the the social good that it was doing. And at the end of my time, I had to leave and he actually came with me to, to Sydney and left that project to somebody else. And we have been back since um, to work um on the Cape York agenda, and it's something that's become part of our, our family. And um, Nourishing Bites is is a big part of our way of contributing to our community because, like for me, um, many Indigenous people find it very difficult to digest sugar, gluten and dairy. Type 2 diabetes is an epidemic um, in the Indigenous community, and by creating treats um, that are free from refined sugars and gluten and dairy we're helping our our family and our community um build wellness as well Hmm. so shelly you worked in the corporate world in sydney you mentioned how did nourishing bites end up in townsville well as i mentioned my husband and i met in Cairns in 2002 and after three months of being together had to make a difficult decision about what to do so dan made the difficult decision to leave Cairns and his family and his his passion project but when he did that we agreed that when the time came and when it was right that we'd we'd come back to North Queensland to where his family is and where he's comfortable because after we left Cairns we lived in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane um he was born on Thursday Island and lived there until he was four but then moved to the Atherton Tablelands and it was a huge step and a huge sacrifice and you know in 2012 he said to me it's time I really need to go home and so I left my my job I was like right okay and it was a big step for me too because I'd just been promoted in my career at 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 Woolworths at the time and um, you know I had my well-established friendship networks and my family there because for me it was perfect but he he needed to come home and I understood that and he'd done that for me and it was time for me to do that for him and I couldn't be happier with the with the decision like Townsville is a wonderful community um, we both feel really at home here like the lifestyle is unrivaled and as a family starting a business, we've received so much support from the customers that we've got who are friends to the cafes who've approached us and supported our business to the people in the community, business people in the community who've come forth and supported us. We, we're just so grateful and can't imagine attempting to start something like this in a, in a big city like Sydney. The, the support just wouldn't be there. Yeah, you're right. And establishing yourself in a community, whether the community knows you as opposed to just the business name 
um, is really important and that's the kind of support you get in a, in a community like Townsville. Absolutely. And, and there's an opportunity to return that support and collaborate together as well because you're connecting person to person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many special elements to the purpose and the reason behind Nourishing Bites and where you're driving it to go. And obviously that passion and that, that oomph behind your story is, is, the, is your drive. And it's helped us through all the tough times of the last couple of years mm. because it, Nourishing Bites is like our, it's like our first baby because yeah. you know, running a small business is yeah. all-encompassing and it's because of that, that passion and, and because of how personal it is to us that we're still doing it. You mentioned uh, in terms of troubles over the last couple of years. So how did the floods affect you? So our premises was affected um, when the flooding happened, but not badly compared to others. The big, the biggest impact was that we're largely reliant on cafes selling our treats for us. And a lot of our customers were deeply affected and many went out of business, sadly. Not only that, the roads were cut to cans and down south for a significant period of time so for a time there our you know our viability was really in question and at the same time our own home was flooded and we ended up living on magnetic island for a month or two because we couldn't find any accommodation in townsville and although magnetic island is a lovely place to live um commuting back and forth to run this crazy business and trying to keep it going and and find ways to get through with a three-year-old who was also um, regularly seasick on the ferry oh, <laughs> was was really tricky for everyone. And there was a point there where we were like, can we keep doing this? And we were just so lucky to have so much support from our customers and our broader community. And that's when we built a much more close relationship with the government. The Small Business Recovery Centre was born then and they were incredible Um we were awarded the relevant grants at the time and we formed a relationship with Jane Arlett and she really helped us to, you know, to step back and think about how to get through things. And, you know, we met a lot of people um, in that time, um, Jeannie McIntosh and Gerard Byrne, who really helped us to get back on our feet, not just like financially how to think about it, but emotionally, just giving us that emotional support to remind us that, you know, we'd come this far and we could do it, we could get through it, and we and we did. And it actually really helped us prepare for COVID because, because customers or business, our businesses that we were supporting were struggling so much, we had to for, really think about adapting outside of and, and finding customers outside our region. And that's when we really f- focused on our website and doing a lot more sales online and although COVID was still really hard and continues to be hard that adapting the year before put us in a much better position to get through it. Mm. How many staff did you have with Nourishing Bites prior to COVID? Oh, so we had lots of casuals in the nook but actually like day to day in the in the production business we had four people. And then COVID now? So last year, thanks to the assistance of JobKeeper, we were able to keep everyone last year. But coming into this year, um, with so much uncertainty still around and and that um, support being over, um, we've had to cut it back, right back to me. How's that been? 
How's that been, one, having to let go of staff who would have been a massive support to now being in a place isolated to yourself? Really hard. It was really hard to let go of our head baker, Anne. She'd been with us for five years and, you know, obviously very loyal to our business and knew, knew the baking like the back of her hand and it meant that I could really focus on the business of nourishing bites and the marketing aspects and all the other all the other aspects as well as try to be there for PJ but we realized that this year was still really uncertain and without any support you know if we didn't make a decision like that there'd be a really high risk that we wouldn't make it through so I had to I had to let her go and it was the hardest one of the hardest things that I've done in my business I was I felt like I was going to be physically ill before I spoke to her. She was really understanding and I guess could anticipate that something like this might happen and and she's so yeah, talented and capable that you know, she there, there was always going to be other opportunities for her, but I also felt sick because I knew what it meant for us as a family taking that over. She was you know, she was flat chat herself doing her part let alone my part and then we had some other part-timers who moved on at that point too who we couldn't replace and so I went from being someone who could focus on the business and support everyone else to taking over three other people's roles plus doing what I was doing and trying to be there for PJ and yeah it's it it's it's been really hard Mm. I was, he sounds like a pretty inspiring kid who sounds like he's a very big support for you. He's he's amazing. Because he's what keeps you going, is, is what I'm hearing you say a lot. He's our, not just for nourishing bites, but in life, he's our inspiration and motivation for mm. everything. He's just, yeah, he's incredible. His support for what we do despite having to coming to bites every single day and being there for several hours he every day of the week he has never complained yeah he always understands he always keeps himself busy and even though I'm there and I try to interact with him I'm you know when I'm operating machinery I can't just stop and play and he he just gets it and he never asks me to stop that's such a special thing for your child to grow up and see that because at the time you're feeling a lot of parental guilt over doing that yes but for him he's seeing a mum who's hardworking, strong resilient and looking at that going I want to be like that one day I hope so because the guilt is real um but he he has he's already had many um, business ideas of his own so I you know I feel good that he you know he he's thinking about business and it gives him lots of different ideas he creates all sorts of different projects in the in the kitchen at bites um you know he's always talking to his friends about it and the things he's doing and tells everyone proudly that he's the boss and makes all the decisions and I do run a lot of decisions by him so that he feels like he's a part of it and he feels like he has um impact and control in the business so um Yeah, he truly believes that he's running it, and in many ways he is. Mm. And if it weren't for his support, but also, also um, my husband's, like he, as well as being a part of Nourishing Bites and living and breathing it with me every single day, he has a full time job as well. And to be doing that and trying to help support me emotionally while I keep Bites going, 
and really stepping up in terms of looking after the stuff at home and helping with PJ so that I could just focus on it and get my head around how to do everything um, is amazing. He's, he's been amazing as, as well as my mum. My mum my is 72 and she came up from Sydney in April to help me out and she's still here. She shows up every day and does what she can to help me because, you know, she loves and supports us and she believes in what we're trying to do. So I'm very lucky. Shelley, you've got a beautiful village around you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very grateful. So fortunate. Yeah. And there's so many others. I think your going places and nourishing bites is, is um, I look forward to continuing following your journey. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to share our story. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.